0: Back in Matthew again, chapter, we're up to verse 23 of chapter eight, um, kind of another division. It says in verse 23, and when he was entered into a ship. So now we have the next situation or the next phase of this day that Jesus is going through with his apostles. It says his disciples followed him. So, you know, they have been with him all the way. Started with the uh, Sermon on the Mount, where he drew his disciples off to himself and delivered that message to them. And has gone through the other things we just talked, that we've been talking about. And now he you know get towards the end of the day, he's got this huge crowd of people. And uh, he says, uh, you know, let's, let's get in the boat. We need to go to the other side. So he entered into the ship and his disciples followed him. And then notice this is, and behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, and so much that the ship was covered with the waves. But he, meaning Jesus, was asleep. You know, the more you see of Christ, the more you read about Christ, the more you learn about Christ, the more you admire him. I mean, he setting an example here. He's, even in his sleep, he's teaching these disciples that it, He's selling It doesn't matter what's going on around you. That's irrelevant. And he shows later that he's in control. He's, you know, he he's in a boat asleep. Now, you know, I don't know exactly what this boat looked like. I've seen different depictions of it in paintings and drawings. Some make it big. Some make it small. Some make section where he went. He was, you know, inside. Um, on the boat and the others show it was just an open boat and he was asleep at one end of it or in the middle or whatever, but it doesn't make any difference. He's saying, look, it doesn't matter what's going on around you. You can you can rest in my care. Um, and so he's he's setting them that example and, and submitting himself purposely, I think. You think he didn't know the storm was coming? He's He's the one who's who creates these things? Uh, so he's perfectly aware of what was coming. It probably brought it up himself, just so he could teach him a lesson. So the storm comes. He submits himself to the storm, and goes to sleep. But what happened to the men? Um, and his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, "Lord, save us! We perish!" You know, they're saying, "Aren't aren't you aware of the fact that we're going to die here?" We see such a limited view of life. I mean, how many times have we gone to the Lord pleading fervently about a situation and, and, and we'll cry, but God, can't you see what's happening here? Please heal this person, heal me, guide me, take care of this situation. I can't bear it. That's, that's, that's all You know, my mom used to say. God knows what's going on. He's he's in control. And he saith unto them, "Why are you fearful, O ye of little faith?" I mean, he's asleep, they come and wake him up and he's going, "What what is going on here? What's the big deal? It's just a storm. I mean, you're with the son of God." And and just to show them who he was and what he could do, it says, "Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm." Well, you know, the, the storm or the tempest, it, it's kind of suggestive of the lot that befalls all of his followers, you and I. Those who follow him enter into a storm. We know that, we should know that going in. The storm clouds of Satan's attacks and, and the world's tempest have been against God's chosen people since the beginning of time. They, you know, Satan brings storms against Israel He brought storms against the Lord Jesus Christ. He brings storms into the life of a Christian. He brings storms into the life of a local church. Um, And he's fought against the word of God. I mean, look at what we have here today. I I don't care where you stand on these alternate versions. There are so many of these versions out there. You cannot deny that at least some of them are perpetrated by the devil himself. You've seen them, some of them, even people who, who advocate other versions also recognize that there are versions that are just evil, that are just incorrect. I don't know that there's anybody that says it doesn't make any difference what version you read because everybody knows that some versions aren't worth reading and that's because Satan is behind this and so it's, it, it makes it difficult where to draw that line. Um, I draw my line at the King James Version. You know, that's the simplest and easiest thing to do. There's no there, there's no doubting there. Are there other versions that are just as good? Well, some say there are, and when I get to heaven, maybe I'll find out that they were right. I don't know. All I know is this. I know the King James is right. So, you know, I'll just leave it there. But my point is that you have these storms that Satan brings against everything that is godly tries to destroy it, and we, when we sign on be, to become a disciple of Jesus Christ, well, you know, in doing that, we're, we're voluntarily getting in the boat and going out and subjecting ourselves to the tempest. Um, and so that's what Jesus did, and that's the example. He was, he was saying, so then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. Now I want to stop and point out something here. You know, when God steps into our life and reminds us that He's in charge, doesn't mean that everything's going to suddenly clear up and go away. I heard uh, of all people Steve Harvey one time kind of give a little dissertation about his life. And uh, you know he was something that he was pur- he was talking about pursuing stardom and, and that sort of thing. And he was telling people, look, if there's something you really need, jump, just jump. Don't worry about the cost, just jump. Now he said, when you do, sometimes you're gonna fall. And, and you know that's what most people are afraid of. What if I fail? What if I hit the, hit the rocks at the bottom of the cliff? He said, well, you may you may do that. But that's when you get up and you start over those are the trials that you have to face sometimes that's what it takes you know in serving God sometimes we have to stumble Lord knows I've stumbled many a times I've got up and preached sermons that I wish I'd never opened my mouth and even had to go back and apologize for some of the things that I've said and done So sometimes it's gonna seem like the storms of life win, but they don't. Keep this in mind. You realize that the same power that made the storm is the same power to which he's asking us to, in which to put our trust. That means we should never, never, never wonder about his wisdom. If we're in a boat with Jesus, there's safety there. How can we ever doubt his love? It doesn't matter how hard the wind blows or how the waves toss. Should we doubt his wisdom? Certainly not. That's that's absurd. Uh, We need to always trust him no matter what because he has the power The men marveled, verse 27, saying, What manner of man is this that even the winds and sea obey him? God's got it under control. He will astonish you if you just put your trust in him. And whatever it is you're facing, just get ready. for God got to do some wonderful. Maybe something totally different than what you anticipate. But I'm telling you, God will do something wonderful with your life if you but trust him. And so then moving on, verse 28, you have kind of another division here. It says, and when he was come to the other side in the country, the Gergazines. It's okay. So now next step, next phase. There met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, exceeding fear so that no man might pass by that way. So these guys, just two of them, um, possessed of devils were enough to prevent anybody from getting past them. And so people just avoided him. So we've gone from the storm on the sea to facing these demoniacs. Um, I think the real purpose that Jesus had in mind when he decided to cross the other sea was not just that he was physically tired and tired of dealing with this multitude, he certainly knew that these demoniacs were on the other side of the, the, the lake. And maybe facing that storm was part of preparing the disciples for what was about to occur because, you know, facing the demoniacs was even maybe, probably scarier than facing the, the storm. And uh, Behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, our Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before that time? so these demoniacs recognize who he is more so probably than the disciples who were with him and they're saying are you coming to 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 bother us before that time now what is before that time you know i i don't know exactly the bible doesn't go into any detail on this but i think it's the end of time you know when the final judgment comes for satan and his legions uh, because that day is is going to come um, and they're going to be sent to that everlasting lake of fire, uh, eternal torment. And, and so they feared Jesus for that very purpose because they knew that day was coming. And it's kind of weird to me that they, they, they know it and they know there's nothing they can do about it. Um, they know that Jesus is all-powerful. They, they, they understand that concept more than most Christians. Um, they know that Jesus' ministry is against the mission was against their own, and that's where we should be. We should understand the fact that it's evil that we're facing; it's 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 Satan and his legions that we're fighting. We're not fighting man; we're, we're fighting principalities and powers. Um, and we need to understand that Satan is powerless when he comes into Christ's presence. So we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. And so when we let him out, Satan is powerless to defeat us. There's nothing he can he can do to us that that is eternal in effect. He might cause things here on this earth like the storms and trials that we mentioned before, but, you know, that'll be over soon. Um, he dreads the doom that awaits him. He's a defeated foe. Um, you know, God places a lot of value on the soul of one man, and more so than these. Denise- the swine that he cast them into. It says, So the devils besought him, saying, If thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said unto them, Go. And when they were gone out, they went into the herd of swine. And behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a, a steep place into the sea and perished in the waters. Um, and so th- those that were watching over the sheep. Um, fled, it says, went their way into the city, told everything that they had, had seen, and reported to the owners. And notice how the owners came back, and uh, decided that they wanted Jesus and all his apostles to leave. Um, it says they besought him that he would de- depart out of their coast. Um, that's the way people are these days. They are, you know, they're so full of evil. That they don't want to have anything to do with the things of God. And um, they would prefer we just leave them alone. Um, And and that's the the way they react. But what they need to know is that Jesus saves. They need to know that he is almighty. He is eternal victor. They're on the losing side. We're on the winning side. And he's gonna have his way. But most of all, they need to know the value uh, that God places on their lives, on their souls. God sent His Son Jesus Christ to die for them. In this case, He sent 2,000 swine into the sea. Just, you know, there was a lot of value there, a lot of monetary value. Um, That was their livelihood. And. uh, you know, he he wanted to show them that their the lives of these two men were of more value than anything else. And, you know, that's the message we have to get across. That's the thing that the world has to, has to know. So, well, we've wrapped up this eighth chapter of Matthew. So we're going to stop here. God be with you. We'll come back. We'll pick up in Matthew chapter 9. Hope you're enjoying this journey. And I look forward to... Uh, seeing where it goes. God bless you.